Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. So we've discussed that in life, everyone will experience some kind of tragedy at some point in their heart and life. And studying Job, though, I want to I encourage you, it will not bring more tragedies in your life if you study Job. Some people are afraid to study this book because they're afraid things are going to happen. The Lord has, has already set forth our life. He, he, he's got our steps mapped out before us. And studying Job will help us understand what we've been through. Uh, some have gone through terrible ch- uh, tragedies and, and abuse as children. And as we become adults, we try to make sense of all of that. And studying Job will actually help us understand that more. And it'll also prepare us for any tragedies that may lie ahead. And so it's good to study this book. Don't be afraid. Let's dive in here and believe that uh, God's going to use this experience to help us through life. The study of Job is very important because it, it kind of strips down our faith to its foundation. And we discover some weak spots and maybe some cracks. And, and this is why, though we've been believers for many years, some of us still struggle trusting God. I, I admit that there are times I... There are certain areas of my life that I totally trust God. You know, for me, I am not afraid to die. I have no fear of death whatsoever. I totally trust God on that. That doesn't scare me. Uh, and uh, it's a good thing because I've almost died a lot of times, uh, especially growing up. But anyway, but then there are other areas of my life that my faith may not be as strong. And so we've got to identify those, in those areas, those questions, those fears that we have of something bad happening to us or someone we love. And so you can be a Christian for a long time and still struggle in your faith. And so we want, to, we want to heal that. We want to shore up that foundation of our faith. Now, in this study, it's, it's really interesting because it's, a, it's really a contest between God and Satan and Job's the prize. And God is worthy of our complete trust and devotion even in the face of tragedy. And so we're going to talk about uh, this study is fundamental to our faith and it's foundational to our very relationship with God. And so the series title is, is the question of the ages, why? Why did this happen to me? Why was I born in this family? Why did I go through this? And so, again, if, if you ever want to send a, a why question, you can write it on the card there in front of you. T- leave your name off of it because I'm going to start reading a, one of those cards or two of the question why. So if you have a why question in your life, don't make it specific so we don't know who you are. You know, like, uh, you know, I don't know why I, I don't like that short pastor. No, don't be specific. <laughs> Just keep it general so we won't know who you are. Uh, but I've, re- I've received several cards already and they're, they're powerful to see what people have, are struggling with and what they've been through. So we learned from our last study that Job had a fourfold tragedy, one right after the other. He lost all his wealth, all of it. And then to make it even worse, he lost his children. And so we learned that Satan does have the ability to use people, doesn't he? Satan works through evil people. And, and these people that t- stole uh, his belongings were evil people and Satan was behind it because God gave him that much leash. Just You can take away his wealth but you can't lay a hand on the man himself. And so 
Job lost everything. And we learned that Satan has the ability to use nature. He caused fire to fall from the sky and, and a, a tornado or a hurricane or something that destroyed the house of his children. And again, Satan did that. These are not acts of God, as the life insurance says. These are acts of the evil one. God is not to blame for our tragedies. God only does what is good. But he will use those tragedies for our good and for his glory. And so our title today goes a little beyond that. When tragedy strikes, how should we respond? So think about how you've responded in the past. If you've ever gone through a tragedy, did you panic? Did you freak out? Did you run away? You know, did you close in on yourself? What are the, and, and this is what I love about the Bible. It's so practical. It shows us how to live life. And it will really help us. If we will only live our life according to the Bible, we will be happier. Life will be better if we apply these principles. And so in Job, we're going to learn how to respond to difficulties, trials, or tribulations, or any kind of tragedy. And so um, we've seen these tragedies that, that have happened to Job, and now we'll look at his reaction. Because what's amazing through all this, now Job has a lot of questions, but through it all, he never sinned. He never sinned against God or accused God wrongly. And so when, as we go through Job's reaction, think about your own. Think about, could I, could I be like Job? Could I do this? And be prepared, you know, even in the small trials of life will help us through those trials if we respond like Job did. And it's, we're not going to finish it tonight because I want to go in depth on these reactions. And so think about this contest going on in heaven. There's God, there's Satan, there's all the angels watching, and there is Job at center stage. Now we know the end from the beginning. It's kind of unfair because we, we know it's already happened. It already worked out God, good. He got double of what he lost. But he did not know that. He had no idea why this was happening. He had no clue, no understanding. He had no idea that it would work out better than before. And, and that's why faith is so important. Faith is because we don't know. And it's what we hold on to when we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And this is where faith and trust is tested. You'll find out where you, you may struggle in an area by what you experience. And, and we don't always know and understand why, especially in this life. We may never know all the answers, but God does. So we don't know the answers, but God does, and that needs to be good enough for us sometimes. As long as God knows, and we know God always knows. So let's look at Job chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. Four full tragedies, or had four visitors, a lot, in, a, in, a, in a matter of moments, he's lost everything, his, his finances and his family. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised, or blessed be the name of the Lord, that song that we, we've sung in the past. And this is the key, verse 22. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Can we go through trials of life without sinning or blaming God? So 
Imagine yourself in Job's situation or something like it. You've lost your resources. You've lost your livelihood. You've lost your career. Your bank accounts are empty. Everything is gone. You have nothing. And then the, the added tragedy of losing your children. And so Job's first reaction, number one, is grief. His first reaction to tragedy is is to go through the process of grief. It says he got up and tore his robe and, sh and shaved his head. Job's lo Job has lost his entire fortune, and his first response is to tear his clothes. Now, letter A, he tears his robe and shaves his head, and this letter B, this was the customary sign of intense mourning and grief for people of that day. Look at Genesis chapter 37, verse 29 as an example. It's all through the Bible. They practice this. And it says, when Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. And verse 34, when they told Jacob that his son Joseph was dead, then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. So there are a few different things that took place. You would tear your clothes. That's common in all of the signs of grief is to tear your clothes, to tear your robe. Then shaving of the head was another part. Wearing sackcloth, which was a gunny sack, very uncomfortable clothing, not nice cotton undies. I mean, sackcloth is no fun. And so you'd have to wear, that was, that was the sign of grief. Look at Micah 1.16. Shave your heads in mourning for the children in whom you delight. Make yourself as bald as the vulture, for they will go from you into exile. So why do you think people practiced this kind of visible expression of grief? Why, where did this come from? Tearing your clothes, shaving your head, wearing sackcloth. Why do you think they would do this? Why would they do this? It was a common practice throughout Old and New Testament. And, and, and it's very symbolic. Tearing of, of your clothes is like the tearing of your heart. You're exactly right. It's an outward expression of what's taking place inside. But why, why would they need an outward expression? Why do you think? Any idea? Yes. Yeah. Right. That was that's another sign was to put on ashes on their head, and that's what Job will do. You're exactly right. It it's an they you could clearly tell who's in grief, who's in sorrow, so that you could be sensitive to that person, and maybe grieve with them. So it wasn't a show. It wasn't like the Pharisees who used to you know act when they were fasting. They would act all hungry. You know they wanted attention. But this was a way of letting people know that person's in deep sorrow. So either I need to be respectful or sensitive or compassionate to them. And so we see that Job's first reaction is grief. And there's nothing wrong with grief. It's actually a very good thing. Letter C, the process of grief is God's gift of healing through tragedy. Grief was given by God to help us manage 
this kind of sorrow. And you've, you've heard about the stages of grief uh, from anger to bargaining to what are some of the other stages of grief? Anger, bargaining, denial. Acceptance, acceptance is the final one. What was the others? Anger, denial, bargaining, despair. despair. Is that the other one? Yeah, yeah absolute despair. So people may not go through those cycles, you know, alphabetically or uh, go through it. That you may come back and forth between these, these cycles of grief. But it is important to grieve. And the, um, when I uh, was living and working in North Dakota, I came home for Christmas and I was, the morning I was about to fly back to North Dakota, I uh, got a call from my sister saying that my mom was dying and that you need to get here now. And at the time, my parents were living in Henderson, Nevada. And so I called my boss, and they gave me time. I drove as fast as I could. And 30 minutes before I got there, my mom had passed away. And I didn't have much time, and so we hurried and put a funeral together, and we, and we pulled it all together in just a matter of a few days. And, of course, I did my mother's funeral, which I barely got through that, and and all of a sudden, I was back in North Dakota. And I felt like I had had no chance to grieve, no time. Because everything had to happen so rapidly and I had to get back to work. And I realized that the grief would come out in other ways and other times. Because I hadn't grieved. I hadn't had time to really grieve my mom and, and her passing. And so there are times where we need to grieve. And if we don't, it can be difficult for us. Yes, Jay. Could it be that him and his children say didn't sin, that as this is reported, he didn't react when the property was taken? Could it have been rather than the accumulation of all of it? The grief only came when his family was destroyed, that he was so righteous that the that the that's an excellent point because because we know job is a righteous man we know he wouldn't be a greedy man and so yeah he probably didn't care that much about losing his wealth because that's why he was a good man and and good men you know uh understand the role of resources and finances but i think you're right what what real, and that's true of all of us, wouldn't it be? We'd rather lose all of our finances than our children or a family member. And so, and to lose them all, 10 of your children, immediately they're childless. And so you could understand the depth of that grief that must, and we're going to see more of it in the, in the chapters of he, ahead. So if we need to embrace grief, we need to, be willing to, to shed a tear. I know that's hard for some people, but if we don't properly grieve our losses, it will come back and affect us in other ways. So grief is God's gift to manage loss. He did not leave us without something that will help us. And let her see, well, I'm sorry. So I want us to see that, a, that grief can be healing. Look at this scripture in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 3. I, have, I love this scripture. 
Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Is that interesting? That sometimes grief is better than laughter. Now, we all love laughter and joy, but there are times where we need to grieve. And a sad face is good for the heart. Let's read it from the New Living Translation. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. Do we want to be refined? Then sometimes only sorrow can bring that refining of our hearts and souls. Do we still want to be refined? <laughs> it's a, that's a tough one. Do I want my faith refined? And remember, 1 Peter talks about the only thing that matters is our faith, and it's refined like fine gold. And so these trials are to refine our faith. And so sometimes sorrow is what brings refining to our hearts. But who, who wants sorrow? But sometimes that's the only way. And again, in the Message Bible, crying is better than laughing. It blotches the face, but it scours the heart. I love that. So, so sorrow does blanch our face, but in the same process, it's doing something in our heart. How do you feel about that, that sorrow can actually be a refine, a refine our hearts? Perfect, yeah? It's, if you want the cleansing, then there, there is a grieving. And it, that's even true when we, the Bible wants us to grieve our sin. You know, if we, we grieve our sin, it, it cleanses us from that sin and from the penalty and the guilt and the shame and all that goes along with it. And so sorrow, and the Bible talks about a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow. The godly sorrow brings life. The worldly sorrow brings regret and death. And so we need to have the right kind of sorrow. We, we need the godly sorrow. Good. It's in, in the book of Joel, God said, rend your heart, not your garments. Because the rending of garments, as you said earlier, was just symbolic of a broken and torn heart. And so that's what, you know, our heart needs to be refined. And sometimes sorrow is the only thing that can do it. Yes. The refining of sorrow. Amen. Yeah. And, and it's something we don't, we shouldn't, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's something we should ask for. God, send me some sorrow. Uh, I don't think that's what the Lord wants. But sorrow will come in a fallen world. And when it does, ask the Lord, God, use this to cleanse me. You know, use this sorrow. Show me how this sorrow can be refining of my soul. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, that is true. It, it, it can sometimes put us in, a, in a, a memory or a reminder of a sad time. And, and again, we shouldn't avoid grief. Because, you know, and there are songs that I, I have on a playlist that I play. Uh, it's called Desperate Times. And I have certain songs that put me in that, that, that place where I can grieve. So. so grief can be good, and believers are to grieve differently than unbelievers. Look at First Thessalonians, uh, uh, letter D first, 
We grieve without losing hope. That's the difference between us and the world. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of funerals. I've probably done twice as many funerals as I've done weddings in my 37 years of pastoring. And I'll tell you, there is a difference when it's a Christian who's died and someone else you're not sure where they are. And I've, I've done funerals where I knew these people were unbelievers and they were living that lifestyle. And that's a lot more, that's a much more difficult funeral to conduct than a believer that's been a Christian, you know, for 80 years and man, they're going home to Jesus. And, but every, even, even when I've done tragic funerals for Christians and I've done a few of those, I've mentioned my first funeral was a stillborn child at nine months. And, but even in that sorrow, it was different than, you know, someone that wasn't a believer. Of course, we know children go to be with the Lord anyway. But um, the difference for us in the world is hope. For the world, it's over. Someone dies, that's it. Yes. Yes. Right. Amen. Yeah. Craig was such. Yeah. Exactly. Craig is such a good man. I loved him so much. So kind. So friendly. And, but you're right. He's with Jesus. And so we, we don't grieve the same way. At least we shouldn't grieve the same way. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. And like I've said, I've done those funerals where there is no hope. I did a funeral one time. There was probably five people there. And um, it was a, for a man who had been estranged from his children and just a very bitter, angry man. And it was this, one of the saddest things I've ever experienced in and, and there was so few people there to even pay any respects, and there was very little good said. And so when it's something like that and it's over, it's hopeless, death is why people fear it. Because if this, and Paul said, if there's no resurrection, we're to be pitied more than anyone else. We know there's a resurrection. Yes, amen. Lamentations 3.19 I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. This is someone who's grieving. This is um, Jeremiah, and he's, he's the weeping prophet. He's grieving because Judah was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. And he says, and so he's dealing with this grief, this great loss. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. He's dwelling on his loss, not in a healthy way, and that's why his soul is downcast. Yet, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. 
Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When we call forth the faithfulness of God, we don't lose hope. Love never fails. And so another purpose of grief, letter E, we are comforted to comfort others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. If you've been through a unique type of loss, you are uniquely equipped to minister to someone else with the same kind of loss. If you've lost a child or if you've gone through a financial tragedy or whatever your loss may be, if you will receive God's comfort and another way, and this has been researched before, another way we deal with loss is to help other people deal with their loss. And there's a healing that comes back to us when we minister to other people in the same way that we have been ministered to. And so not only does God comfort us, when we comfort others, we get comfort back as well. And so that's another uh, point of grief as a Christian is that we are to comfort others. And it it actually helps heal our heart for our loss because sometimes we feel alone. Has anybody else gone through a tragedy like this? But I, I know for a fact the tragedies I have been through have made me a better pastor because I can relate to a lot of people. And when I do a funeral, especially for a young person, remembering my brother dying as a teenager, I can really sympathize. And sometimes I get emotional because uh, it's too close to home. But, but at the same time, when I'm able to minister to somebody that's lost a, a child or a, a sibling, there is a peace that I have in my own heart, knowing that my brother is with the Lord. And so one of the ways we need to respond to tragedy is to grieve and also be available to comfort others. When tragedy strikes, it's absolutely appropriate and cathartic to grieve. Now, Is it possible to grieve too much or too long? So I'm hearing yes and no. Somebody who says yes, tell me what you think. Good point. Yeah, it's almost, those customs were actually, I wish we still had some of them. For example, um, when a dignitary died, they grieved for 40 days. I think that was Joseph. They grieved for 40 days. So they they set a time frame, and you're to grieve like crazy in that time frame, but, but when it comes to an end, then you, there's, a, there's a need to move on because you can get stuck in a cycle of grief. And so I, yes. However. However. <laughs> I think that we need to give grace. Yes. I think that we need to allow people who need to grieve longer. I mean, everybody's in a different place. You're right. You know, I don't want 
Yeah. Yeah. The deeper the love, the deeper the grief. And you're exactly right. It's different for every person. And I do think both answers are correct. I do think there are losses we will we will grieve until heaven, but not as deeply the whole time. We we because we have to come to acceptance, the cycle of grief. And we may still grieve from that day on. But it, it, it should subside. Some of it will never go away in this life. But I think that is critical. Never to be insensitive to someone in their grief. You need to get over it. Oh, that's not, you know, if you, have you ever had people that you've, you've shared your grief and they said, well, that's nothing. You want to hear what happened to me? And it's like, no. Uh, and, and yet that happens, doesn't it? You know, you're sharing your grief and then someone has to one-up you. Yes? Yeah, I think that's a, a key point. To At some point, stop being a victim. And, and you know, you, you have to cross. You, you got to get out of that pit or it'll keep you there forever. That's a good, good example as well. Any other thoughts on that? Yes? Right, right. The absence is still there. Yeah. Solomon wrote about vanity of all, vanity, all is vanity. Yeah. Perhaps because of experiencing loss. Yeah. So I, I think that, uh, that there's a fair difference between someone experiencing sadness years later, a mother missing her son, three decades later, still shedding tears sometimes. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point. There's, there's probably two different things. There's the immediate grief, and then there's the prolonged sadness or of just someone's absence, and that, that may never go away until we meet Jesus. So... Yeah. There was hope for him and there's hope for her as yet. Yes. But yeah, the loss was too great for my brother in law mm. and he couldn't face it. You know, that's that's a a thing that we have to be careful and cognizant of is you know, I have often wondered how does a non Christian deal with this stuff? And exactly. And so they usually medicate, self-medicate, uh, because you know the, some of the tragedies and sorrows are so deep that you know without Jesus, there's people are desperate. I mean, they're and, and sometimes to the point of absolute despair. And so you know we have to be mindful of that 
and, and to be careful even in our own grief because uh, we don't want to use artificial means to, to numb the pain of grief. Uh, that's, it's, it's still going to be there when, the, when, it, you know, when we stop self-medicating. And so, but grief can a lot of times lead to addictions. And, and, that's, and, and yet one of the, the greatest ways to deal with grief is not alone. We used to have a grief recovery group here in this church years ago, and I'd, I'd like to see something like that again because I think that is a real healing as well, being able to grieve with other people who grieve uh, because they can identify with you and they can, and they can he- keep you accountable too when it is going too far or a victim or woe is me. And so I'd, I'd love, I, I know that I'm sure Celebrate Recovery offers some of that teaching as well. But if, if you are struggling with grief, I think they, they could find a place at CR. Yeah, because that's where we can, we can share uh, what we're going through and people can help us. We're the body of Christ. And when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers, 1 Corinthians says. Yes. Wow. I don't know if it's actually him or if it's just the Lord giving you that peace, that picture of peace. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, it's, it's something for comfort. It, yeah. Right. Right. Well, I've often said you can tell a lot about a person by their funeral, by who's there and and the tone and everything. So it's... It's great. Yeah. And that's... And sometimes we find out, wow, this person was dearly loved and we didn't realize how much or, or, or very gifted. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Um, in the midst of his unparalleled grief, Job does something incredible and we're going to stop here we're not going to dive into it I know I'm going to tell you what it is but I, I, I'll bring you back for more uh, next Wednesday but I, I have uh, I just want to uh, thank you for those that have chimed in and I didn't want to just move past grief because I think everybody has some sorrow in their heart there's some I think we're all grieving something maybe to a great extent or a small, it may be a wayward child, a wayward grandchild that we're grieving. And I just think we need to be mindful that, that a lot of people are in sorrow. And part of that ministry is the calling of the church to bind up the brokenhearted. And that's the call on the church. So imagine Job, and I think Jay's right, the 
the deepest grief is the loss of his children. And he's been told this in succession. He's lost his whole world. And it says, Job falls down and worships. So what does Job do? How does he react to to grief and loss? He worships. First he grieves, but then he worships. Now, again, I'm going to say this for next week, but can you, don't raise your hand or anything like that. Could you do that? Would, would that be your, your first response or second response to, to worship God? Now, remember, we're going to learn this. Job believes God has done this because he said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Now, we know it wasn't God who did this. It was Satan. And so Job worships the God that he thinks took this away. That's faith. That's amazing faith. And that's the faith God wants us to have in our own life. That no matter what we've lost, we can still worship God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. And I just pray that we would work through any grief that we have and we'd be sensitive to the grief of others. And Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to us, God. We don't always understand on this side of glory, but we will. In the meantime, we trust in the one who understands. And Lord, we do, we do trust you, Lord, and we ask that you would take us deeper in our faith. God, may the sorrow we experience refine our hearts, scrub our souls, Lord. Refine our faith in Jesus' name, amen.